Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. This is episode number 49. Today, we're talking about innovation and how we as tech coaches can help foster our teachers' love for being innovative in the classroom. We have some great guests on today to talk all about this subject. I am so happy to have Dr. Sam Patterson back on with us. Sam, how are you doing? How have you been? I've been real good. I'm doing well. The school year, you know, we're... We're winding down, as it were, but that doesn't mean there's any less work or we're moving slow. It's kind of full steam ahead in the steam studio this week. There is certainly a lot of steamy things going on. How are the edu puppets and and what what has got you going these days? Because we're talking all about innovation. You are one of the most innovative people I know. What are you doing with your kids these days? Well, today we, uh, let's see, the first graders built houses that are going to be part of a Me on the Map movie. They built houses out of Lego and we took pictures and got them all set up. The pre-K students were designing their own things that fly and putting them up the wind tubes. And this morning in second grade, we, uh, oh my goodness, we were so conventional. We made popsicle stick frames for the day coming up on Sunday, honoring the mothers. That is awesome. I am, yeah, we, trust me, we got a few of those today from the, from the, the triplets themselves. As we start talking about like, how do you make it work with the staff? We'll circle back to that Mother's Day project. Ah, and I want to bring on a first timer onto the program, Mr. Joe Benvenga. Joe, how are you today? Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm doing well. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm a technology integration coach. I'm out in Racine, Wisconsin, and I cover four high schools out here. It is so good to have you guys. And, you know, this is the time of year where we as tech coaches are helping our teachers wind down. And and as we're winding our teachers down, it's also important to keep your foot on the gas, right? Because as our, as these AP tests are over, as as the summertime is getting closer, it's important to start get preparing our, our teachers for next year. I know where I am. Um, I've got three or four teachers where we're already sitting down now and planning out lessons for September, October. And the skills we're going to be bringing in next year, I'm actually starting to implement into their lessons this year. And that just brings us into our conversation today about innovation. And we want to know what you guys think about it. If you're having troubles bringing innovation into your classrooms, or if you're doing some amazing things with your teachers, we want to hear about it. Of course, you can find out all of the information about this show over at askthetechcoach.com. And of course, we'd love to have you guys follow us on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach. We'd love to have you guys here as a co-host on the show. You guys might know that Nick is not on the show tonight. He might not be here for the next couple of weeks. He is having an amazing time moving. He's packing everything up. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be having a host of different tech coaches on one of them might be you. If you'd like to join us for the show, check us out over on Ask the Tech Coach or email us over at feedback at teachercast.net. We would love to have you and feature your tech coaching program on the show. Now, guys, I want to start today to talk a little bit about innovation. Now, Sam, you and I talked before the show starts here, and the question always comes up of how do we define innovation, right? Because what's innovative for me might be something that you do every single day, what is innovation? How do you define being innovative? You know, in the school setting, I think innovation is best defined as solving the problem cheap. Really? <laughs> you know, like they say, well, innovation gets a lot of 
you know, play mainly in the media. And education is actually allergic to innovation because education is set up to do the same thing. Even teachers who are always trying out new things are always trying to battle the essentially the pressure of the calendar to do the thing that was done before. And the bigger the school system is and the more bureaucracy you have set up about it, the, the choices about what teachers can and can't do, what they will and won't be doing may end up being further and further from the teachers. So that like innovative thinking sometimes for educators is shorthand for, hey, let's reconsider the thing we've always done. You said the word cheap, and, and you used <coughs> cheap. a few different versions of this. In your world, is there a difference between innovation and being innovative? Because let's, let's take a smart board for a second, right? Using a smart board is not innovation, but using it in a different way is innovative. Neither of those things will cost any different. Right. Like, and, and usually smart boards are a good example because that's a decision somebody else made, right? right. And... And you can use them in very conventional ways, or you can find different ways to use them. Um, and it really just depends on what your goals are. Being a person who works directly in the classroom every day, I'm always trying to figure out how do I get my kids to think more, try more, and do more, right? And they actually call our program the Inquiry and Innovation Program, um, which is weird because, like, you take a third grader, right? If innovative innovation is doing something new, what, what, what exactly are the habits of that third grader that I'm turning on their head, right? Like if I'm working with teachers, it's a lot easier for me to see how innovation can be, right? Maybe I'm bringing in a tool that allows them to update an analog system to a digital system, right? That's a very accessible model of, of innovation. Um, in the classroom, I think it can be really challenging because it just ends up being, a lot of times, innovation ends up being a buzzword for doing something new and flashy. Well, exactly. And, and we've talked about this before. You know, is technology defined as just electronics or is it still technology if, what, what's, the, what's the phrase here? If it was designed after the year somebody was born, it's really not technological, right? Like the internet. Oh, like hell, really my sewing machine your sewing is machine. older than everybody, right? And it's, it's totally technology. Joe, where do you lie on this topic here? As a tech coach, you know, our first job is to work with teachers, do you see your job as teach technology? Do you see your job as teach innovation? So the, the first thing I'll say there is when Sam brought up that it's a buzzword, um, I couldn't agree more. I think that working with my teachers in my position, um, it, it, I mean, working with them, the desire and the objective is to provide them with an approach to have them use that technology in an innovative way. Um, that's always the goal. Now, as far as the actual with two sentence definition of innovation, I think we could have a three hour podcast on that alone. But no one would listen. Nope. <laughs> and we go in circles. When you, we talk about Chromebook carts, right? Um, what one teacher is doing with a Chromebook cart might just be an example of using technology. 
whereas the teacher next door is using the same type of Chromebooks. However, the students are responding to one another. There's more collaboration, and they're getting to that second and third level um, as far as the depth of knowledge. So it's how they utilize the technology to me and how I can help them do that that makes that innovation uh, work. Is it our job to inspire innovation, force innovation, innovate innovation? Where does this all come in? Because if we're working with a teacher who is at, at, let's just call it level one technology use, Mm -hmm. right? Just Mm -hmm. getting into this whole thing. Can we help that teacher be um, innovative? Or does innovation now have to start at level one, whereas if I was working with Sam, I'm now starting at innovation level 13. What do you think, Sam? I mean, wh- wh- where, where you does know, all this stuff come in? When when you're in a service industry like we are and you're helping people, right, where you're starting is always where they are. And you've got that teacher who's at level one and they might be doing shoebox dioramas, right? And I come in there with the iPads and I use Puppet Pals and I show the teacher that you can animate these dioramas and create short movies. Instead of having the kids stand up and do a talk, they could create this video. And they say, oh, that's really cool. And they get kind of inspired. Now, the downside is the next year they say, could you come back and do that again? Mm. Well, uh, no, no, that's that's not what I what I wanted. <laughs> what I wanted was for you to say, "Oh, that's really cool. I could do that, right?" Because it's not it's not hard to use the app, right? The second graders don't even need a full walkthrough; they just need to like don't don't do this part, and they're like, "Oh, okay," um, and they're off to the races, and they're really enjoying it, and they're recording their own voices, and they're creating shareable videos because their faces aren't in them, and we can load them right up to seesaw. And I spend most of the time with my hands in my pockets, walking around, going, "Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, okay, good," and yet it's something that those teachers still don't feel ownership of. So where does that come in? Is that confidence level? Because let's not talk level one, level two. But I mean, if you have somebody even at level one and they don't have the confidence of the task, it's hard to throw the iPad at them and not expect them to want to hold your hand constantly. But if you have a newbie, you throw the iPad and they say, great, I'll I'll work at level one, but I'm going to work at level one. Just hold my hand. Those are two completely different conversations and two completely different coaching scenarios. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the, one of the main challenges here is, like you're saying, that to spark that um, desire to mm-hmm. be innovative. And a, a teacher that might not be comfortable with technology, um, when I'm working with that type of teacher, it's important for me to be very patient uh, and provide a ton of positive reinforcement and that, you know, I'm not in any rush and give her that, or her, excuse me, him or her that foundation to go off of moving forward. So maybe when I'm not there two weeks later, um, she has at least the skills to develop that next lesson. What works for you, right? If let, Let's take Sam's idea here. Sam is a teacher who is just starting off 
somebody walks in and says, here's the iPad. Now, I'll give you a good example. Today, I saw a, a quick uh, video on Twitter. It was of a shoebox diorama, Sam, but mm-hmm. they were using the Do Ink app. And now, next thing you know, you have a kid walking around that diorama because they're sitting in front of a green screen. Yep. Now... You might say the next year the teacher wants you to come in and do all of that stuff. And you might say the next year the teacher needs you to come in and do half of that stuff or maybe set the green screen up for the teacher. But then maybe the teacher teaches the lesson. How do you blend this as a tech coach to help push, inspire? You know, where does that coaching conversation come in? How do you know what that teacher needs and doesn't need? So. I mean, I think that happens during a, whether it's a prep period um, or after school with that teacher and really figuring out where they're at and not do they not want to do something, but are they actually confused or are they truly unable to handle that project on their own? So for example, uh, next week, I'm working with a set of teachers, uh, sociology teachers, and we're using Google Forms. However, we want the students to end up branching questions on to, you know, layer after layer after layer. And this is something that I have worked with them on now for three semesters. And the goal was to be for them to be 100 percent autonomous on this uh, by this point. But there's still one or two things that they're a little bit uh, unclear of. So I feel that in my role, um, I, I still need to provide that support because that's where they're at. Sam, you're shaking your head. Well, you know, that's, that's the, the way it goes, right? Like you, you're giving them the support they need because it's where they're at. I was just thinking about the fact that, um, you know, I work with elementary teachers and the challenge with working with those teachers is they're doing nine different things with the kids over the course of the day, right? You walk in, you see the schedule, boom, 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 boom. When I taught freshman English, I did like one thing three times with the kids and another thing twice with the kids, depending on what classes I had, right? Because I'd get this, I get the same level kids coming in, right? So we just run that freshman English class three times and we'd run the junior English class twice and I'd be doing the same thing in each of those classes. So by the third time I ran the freshman English class, I had a pretty good idea of what was going on because I'd just done it three times. And by the second time I ran the junior class, I thought I understood that pretty well because I you know, had an opportunity to run it twice. But the teachers I work with at the elementary level, they're doing it once and they're moving on to the next thing, right? So they have a very limited capacity for trial and error and prep time. So we as tech coaches should be aware of that, of when we're putting to, you know, if if an elementary teacher comes to us and says, Jeff, I'm doing this lesson on farms. Can you help me with this? That might need to have a different approach than the social studies high school teacher where they have kids that can, of course, think a little bit quicker and, and, you know, have more capacity for what's going on. But as you said, they might be doing it four or five times over the course of a week. And they might actually have three weeks to do an entire project where the elementary teachers got a day. Now, do you remember your, your research on exposure and learning and how many times you need to do something to learn it? 
Yes. It's seven. Oh. If you don't, if you don't mess it up, it's seven. If you mess it up and you have to relearn it, it gets up into the twenties, right? So this is really important for me because I'm like, oh, come on, come on, second grade. We did dioramas last year. I came in, I took the picture, we set up puppet pals. Yeah, I've worked there three years. We're two iterations into it. If that second grade team stays the same, I can, in five more years, begin to get annoyed that they haven't learned this. But until then, I just got to be helpful. Sam, are you suggesting on Mother's Day weekend that I need to have six more sets of triplets? (laughs) No. No, the triplets, no. No, we no got, they have some sort of exponential false multiplier, force multiplier, and if I suggested that was the case, your wife would probably have me hunted down. I have you on GPS. It's okay. Anyway, let's get back to the conversation here with this, because I, I, I'm really interested in this. Now, Sam, as we go through, you're clearly somebody who's got this innovation down, but I'm sure even you have places that you go to for coaching, for help, for, for guidance on all of this. I know tech coaches are always trying to find, you know, a way to help every single person. What does somebody like Joe and I do to help work with you at your level when, let's be honest, you might be above where we are with STEM education and puppets and all these different things. How can we help you even though you're farther than we are on these subjects? Well, a good example is sometime last week, um, I think it was Gifted Talk on Twitter, Gifted T-A-W-K, sent out this thread about the uh, Motion Portrait app. And it's one of these apps that you can put a picture in and it'll define the eyes and the mouth and it'll make it move around a little bit, right? So it like makes the Mona Lisa come to life or something. It's really strange looking. And there was a giant threaded discussion that started from it about oh hey that's cool how'd you make that happen what apps do that and at the end there's like six or seven apps that are doing this you know ai light kind of thing where you take a still portrait and you animate it i decided that for the second grade poetry books we had just done a bunch of constructed portraits and i'm like i want to play around with this so I took that list of apps and I went to the tech guy at my school and I'm like, Mr. Soa, can you find out about these apps which have educational pricing, yada, yada, and put them on my iPad so I can play around with them? And he you know, did the research, put them on my iPad, came up with a couple other suggestions to give to me, and then stopped by a little later and, and you know, made sure they made it onto my device and just asked if I had any questions about it. Um, and that was hugely helpful. He probably saved me two or three hours of researching stuff because he was just able to get to the educational pricing quicker, doesn't need to know, you know, how do you look for this and that and put them all into our system. Um, And I still haven't figured out exactly which app I'm going to use, but I'm a lot further along in actually using that because I have those at my disposal and I know something about them. And that's all because I had that partner at my school that I could just send that request to. Now, Sam, do you mind if I ask, would you prefer, like in that situation, you said there were multiple apps, right? Now, if you're working with someone and you're you're looking for some piece of software or equipment, whatnot, would you like someone to say, hey, this is what 
would work best or give you a few options that you might have to look more into. I mean, if, if he, cause I talked to him and if he knew he said, well, I haven't ever done that. So, you know, I'll just get what you say, but like, if he knew which one would work best, yeah, that's what I want to know. Right. Like which one is gonna actually work because in these apps, some of them allow you to like see the picture moving around. Others allow you to make recordings. Some of them, the recording doesn't work so well. You know, there's just a lot of variables and I'm still trying to figure out exact, like I'm at the point now where I'm like, oh, okay, this app does this, this app does this, this app does this. What do I want to do? Right. Mm -hmm. um, but and because I didn't have an incredibly clear what I wanted to do at the beginning, it was just kind of a, let's see what these apps do and we'll come up with something off of them. Um, I don't think I would have had a good route to this is what's going to work best at the beginning. But, um, you know, if there is already a best practice, heck yeah, let's, let's do that. Right. When it comes to bringing these things into the, to the classroom, you know, a lot of it is working with teachers, but a lot of it is working with our students. Do you guys have any advice for how to work with our students and our teachers at the same time? I mean, a lot of times we're trying to push our teachers in a certain innovative direction or even just basic technology direction. The kids might know how to do this stuff, but you kind of have to say to the kids, guys, I'm here to work with your teacher. Let's encourage them to do this. They're trying their, you know. How do you set up an, an, an environment where the kids understand you're here to help the teacher get better so that they can then be better in their classrooms? So in my experience, um, the students are able to kind of tell, all right, this, this person's here to help support my teacher with the technology that we're trying to use. And if I, if I as a student, have any questions, that's who I'm going to go to when it comes to technology. However, when it comes to, hey, is this an appropriate response or am I doing this correct? Um, I'm going to ask. I'm going to go to my teacher. So in the high school level, I do feel that the students have a pretty um, base, uh, great. Actually, they find it very easy to identify who knows what as far as technology versus the curriculum. You know, I, I end up doing with this question a lot just because of collaboration. So sometimes I'll work with the art teachers. Sometimes I'll work with the classroom teachers. Sometimes they're in the room with us and sometimes they aren't. Like right now, the sixth graders are doing this big project that started in art and it's bled over into makerspace. And they'll be like, Dr. Patterson, can I blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, honestly, guys. I'm just the glue gun guy here, <laughs> right? Like, like we do a lot of innovative stuff together, but right now, and this is exactly what I say to him right now, you're working on this thing that started in art and I'm helping you get it done. I don't know all of the ins and outs of it. It's because it's not my project and I don't want to tell you the wrong thing. So go bug the art teacher, right? Like the art teacher's in a meeting disrupt the meeting i don't know what to tell you kid right like <laughs> i still got nothing for you um but you know it's it's one of those things where occasionally we'll clarify for the kids you know that's that's a really good question for your classroom teacher um unless it's about appropriateness and then you just say no 
No, that's not appropriate. But why? Oh, I just I just say that. If you want a detailed answer, go to your classroom teacher. I'm going to tell you no every time. Because <laughs> if you're asking if it's appropriate, it means you think it might not be. So I'm going to trust your judgment. They're like, what? And then they just go ask their teacher. We're talking all about innovation in the classroom and how we can bring innovation into our teachers who might be a little skittish when it comes to educational technology. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask Sam and Joe to give us a bunch of different examples, things that are innovative in their classrooms that maybe you guys can do this school year as the summer gets closer and as the year winds down. So stick around. We'll be right back on Ask the Tech Coach. Friends, before we move on with our show, I wanted to let you guys know I have been in education now for almost 20 years, and I've seen the changes some students have come to face every single day, whether it's going through school hungry, not being able to see a doctor when they're sick, or not getting the proper rest at night. These challenges make it hard for kids to focus on their learning. I remember a story of a student who came to my office one day and she could barely stay awake due to all the circumstances happening around her at home that were beyond her control. I didn't know what I could do and I wanted to be able to help her out in any way that I could. Thankfully, Concordia University in Portland is leading the way with their three to PhD program that helps to combat students' fears freeing them to pursue their highest dreams. They're revolutionizing education by creating a holistic model that provides groceries, healthcare, and even clothing to students right here on campus, helping them thrive and helping our communities strengthen and grow. Concordia's College of Education offers online and on-campus programs where students have the opportunity to learn about a more compassionate approach to education and see how nurturing the whole student can lead to amazing things. To learn more about how you can help students conquer their monsters and achieve their highest dreams, visit cu-portland.edu forward slash let's conquer. That's cu-portland.edu forward slash let's conquer. And we're, use the hashtag nature educate grow. And we are back talking to Sam and Joe all about innovation. Now, Joe, let me ask you a little question here. You are one tech coach. You said you've got four high schools. How are you able to successfully navigate all of those teachers, all of those buildings in a five day? It seems like it's a huge, huge thing to keep in, to keep track of. Um, it is a lot to keep track of for sure. And I, to say, hey, I'm 100 percent successful would be a lie. Um, but it, it's figuring out, you know, it's, it's working with the teacher's schedules, right? Because their time is incredibly valuable. So if there's a teacher that, you know, wants to work on this project or, you know, learn how to use um, a Google app and they have first block prep on Monday and then a different teacher at a different school has another project they're working on an hour later, um, it, it's just navigating your calendar um, and sacrificing, you know, that gas money, because really it's the teacher's time that's important and valuable. And, and Sam, is that as a teacher, is that difficult when you know that there's only one person for district and he's got four high schools to deal with and you might only get 30 seconds of his time once a month, maybe? I mean, doesn't that put more of the innovation on your shoulders rather than on his shoulders? Oh, certainly, because you've also got to remember to add, like, you've got to remember to be far enough out and ahead that you can ask for the help, right? Like, one of the advantages to working in a really small system like I do 
is if if something goes wrong, I I can go get Mister Soa. Right? He's he's I don't know five six hundred feet from me usually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so he's totally findable. Um, when you've got a big system and you've got a you know scheduled tech coaching time and that kind of stuff, it is challenging because you know best practice there is to set up some sort of standing meeting that you're going to probably cancel eighty percent of the time because you're too busy. But you need to have that meeting on your calendar to make sure that when and if you do need something, you can remember to ask for it. There's a lot of different things that I've used over the last couple of years to kind of stay in there. You know, emails is one, videos is one, just the constant just stopping in. Hey, how you doing? I want to take a moment here before we wrap up the show to talk about examples. Now, Sam, at the beginning of the show, you had mentioned a couple of things about popsicle sticks and dioramas. Give mm-hmm. us some ways that you are out there blending that technology and, and again, Sam, I'm not talking the sewing machine here. I'm talking <laughs> modern technology and the STEM arts and crafts that you're doing. Give us some great examples of what's happening in your classroom. Uh, okay, but I could have a three-hour argument with you about the sewing machine right and, <laughs> and technology, it's, right? Because you're just wrong. It's but, Mother's Day. I gotta go. Um, I gotta go. So, so the best. So the, today, right? I end up doing a craft lesson. I have a makerspace with three 3D printers, a laser cutter blah, blah, blah. I'm doing crafts like it's 1968, right? We've got wood glue, white glue. And on the board, I, I, I gave the kids the second grade lesson today was how to use white glue. No, how to use wood glue. And it was like a written out tutorial about how to use wood glue. You can find it on my Twitter. It's super exciting, but it's what they needed, right? And it's what the, the grade level team asked for help with. And one of the things that I do is I help deliver that superhero prep and cleanup. That's one of the things that the makerspace can do. Um, so in order to do some of the higher impact stuff I want to do with them, I have to put in, you know, essentially pay the dues and, and be the craft master. Um, but what I really like doing is something like taking the puppet pals app. And I've been doing this for, I don't know. It's hard to feel innovative, right? I've been doing this for six years, I think. Right. And you just import a character and you can animate almost anything. It's super easy. Um, and I recently, and you mentioned it, Jeff, saw somebody do essentially the same trick with the diorama, but with the doing app. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to do that once I get my green screen set up again. And I've got one of those in the mail on the way to me. So how do we get you started with this, right? How do we, if we have a STEM person in our classroom, in our school district, that isn't doing do ink and puppet pals, how do we approach them and make that first piece of content? And how do we do it as if it was 1968? Right. Um, You know, a lot of it's just intersecting with them as they're looking at, you know, how are you assessing? How are you sharing? How are you reporting out? And allowing them to see that these tools make all of that a lot more accessible, right? Like you can actually share the student's diorama home as a video so much easier if you do it this way. Now, that's where I think the Puppet Pals app ends up better than the Do Inc. Because the Puppet Pals app, their face doesn't show up anywhere in it. So it's completely socially shareable. And I don't have to worry about whether or not it's behind the, you know, firewall or whatever. 
Sam, you've always got some great ideas. I want to say thank you so much for your time. Now, as we get through towards the end of the school year, many teachers are looking to bring in additional STEM type of activities because they're trying things out. Now, Mm -hmm. I know in December, we all celebrate at the Hour of Code. But you know what, Sam? We are so far beyond that right now. Teachers are looking for resources to learn how to learn about the Hour of Code even though we're beyond that. Do you have a great resource that's going to teach us a little bit about going, oh, one step further than that initial hour of code? You know, I think I think I do. In fact, yes, I've got a book. It's called Programming in the Primary Grades Beyond the Hour of Code. Um, And really, it's a book about creating good lessons in the digital age. In the digital, not, not, not in 1968. There's very little mention of sewing machines in the book, which is probably why the book is short and easy to read in a weekend. And I understand you're working on another book. I am working on another book. Where it are we is on this time. Well, the idea behind this book is it's going to take the acronym STEAM and it's going to explode it. Hmm. That's all I'm telling you. Okay. I'm looking forward to to learning a little bit more about that. Where can we find out more about the great things that you're you're doing? What are your socials? What are your handles? What are your websites? You can find everything from mypaperlessclassroom.com. There's a nice little spot there with a bunch of links. You can find me on Twitter at S-A-M-P-A-T-U-E. And I think if you search Sam Patterson EDD on YouTube, you'll find me there. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Joe, talk to us a little bit about where we can find the great things that you're doing out in Wisconsin. Yeah, so uh, we'll start with Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at uh, Ben Venga Joe, B-E-N-V-E-N-G-A. And I am currently uh, working on organizing my YouTube channel, as I think that's a really important tool um, for not just people within the district, but that's how we all learn, right? Um, so. That is under construction, but definitely look out for that. It's just Joe Benvanga. Nice. And we would love to have you guys join us on this show. We record every single week. We drop our show every single Monday, a brand new Ask the Tech Coach episode. We would love to have you guys. Of course, if you're looking for more information about all of our great tech coaching resources, you can head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Check out our posts, our podcast, and all the great things over on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. We want to say thank you guys one last time for being a part of this and all of the shows in the TeacherCast Educational Network. Don't forget to head on over to TeacherCast for everything professional development. And if you guys are looking to bring podcasting into your class we just launched a brand new ultimate guide to podcasting talking about everything from studio to in classroom podcasting all things audio and video check it out it's the brand new teacher cast ultimate guide to educational podcasting so with that we're going to wrap up episode number 49 of ask the tech coach on behalf of everybody here in the on the teacher cast educational network my name is jeff bradbury reminding you to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students <laughs>